This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. I am Chris Trapasso here on draft day, finally. And it has seemed excruciating. The wait to get all the way to April 29th, my best friend Alex's birthday. Shout out to Alex if he's listening. But we're finally here. And we had a pretty big trade yesterday, or somewhat. It involved a sixth rounder, but it was a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater gets shipped from the Carolina Panthers to the Denver Broncos. There's obviously a connection between the new Broncos GM, George Payton, and Teddy Bridgewater. They were together in Minnesota for a few seasons early in Teddy Bridgewater's career when he looked like one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the NFL before that gruesome knee injury, kind of derailed his career, has found us a steady ground since, but doesn't feel like more than a bridge quarterback at this point. I did find it very interesting that right after the trade, there was a bunch of reports, a lot of the local guys, James Palmer, who I really respect a great deal, coming out and saying, hey, this is not taking the Broncos out of the quarterback sweepstakes at number nine. And based on everything that we've read and heard and seen on Twitter over the past few days, when, as anyone that follows the draft even somewhat closely knows that the week leading up to the draft, like every day there's a new rumor and new speculation, everything that's happened this week has made it appear as though there will be a quote-unquote top quarterback at number nine overall it would be pretty hard for there not to be because there is perceived to be five top quarterbacks in this draft class worthy of being first round picks and for one to be there at number nine is not crazy just based on the numbers i find it a little hard to believe that the broncos would be very much in the quarterback sweepstakes but i think a lot differently than what the 49ers have done the broncos have a quarterback in mind that they're like, hey, if insert quarterback, Trey Lance is there, if Justin Fields is there, we're going to pick him. But if we don't really like Justin Fields, we love Trey Lance. If Justin Fields is there, we're not going to pick him. We're either going to trade back or we're going to pick a defensive player, whatever. But then you have to realize, although there is name recognition with Teddy Bridgewater and a connection to the GM, it was a sixth round pick. They didn't move mountains to get Teddy Bridgewater. They have Drew Locke there. I, I've thought for the longest time, um, and that really means over this offseason, that the Broncos should give Drew Locke another opportunity to prove himself. He was a second-round pick, not a first-round pick. And on a previous episode, I talked about uh, when you're a second-rounder or later, it, it's hard, especially quarterback. Teams are not going to build around you as frequently, and they're going to give up on you easier than if you were a first-round pick. He lost Cortland Sutton into one game in 2020. I, I would like to see Drew Locke with this. Sturdier offensive line, Cortland Sutton, year two, Jerry Judy, year two, KJ Hamler, year three, Noah Fant, 
Albert Okuibunam, who got injured, who, who he has a connection with and is familiar with from their days together at Missouri. I want to see Drew Locke in that offense. Would I want to see Justin Fields in that offense? Absolutely. And I think Justin Fields would represent a major upgrade from the start. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade. And because they only had to move a sixth round pick and they're doing it the night before the draft, I don't think they were doing it with, hey, Teddy's our Bridgewater or Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy's our Bridgewater. Teddy's our bridge quarterback. That they were not doing it thinking Teddy is our starter. They just wanted more competition and a more steady quarterback room. And they get that now. So that's just the one big rumor. I wanted to touch on that at the outset of this final episode before we get to the NFL draft. And I'll certainly, I will be on Matt Collar's Purple Insider podcast, the Chris Trapasso Draft Show, uh, on Monday after the draft to mostly recap what the Vikings did. But we'll definitely talk about what happened throughout the first round and the entirety of the 2021 NFL draft. And I'll be doing lots of recap analysis. My favorite picks, my least favorite picks, value selections in the middle of the draft, trade-ups I didn't like, trade-ups I did like, and most of them I'm not going to like too much, trade-downs, just entire classes. I'll go over it all here on the Prospect Podcast. But what I wanted to do tonight, instead of just like reading off my final mock draft, which I'm actually going to finish after I record this podcast and then just send it in and be done with it. I wanted to just look at every single team and almost do like a general mock draft or fill you in and open up the curtain so you get a peek behind it as to my thought process for the countless number of mock drafts that I've done since the start of the the football season. And actually, you could probably count them because I did one per week at CBS Sports since the football season began. To just say, hey, this is the direction that this team, I think this team needs to go and I'll list off some prospects because I I'm guessing if you're listening, we certainly have fans of a lot of different teams that listen to the prospect uh, to not just zero in on one player that you've read a thousand mock drafts over the last couple months here. I'll give you two or three or four prospects that make sense at different positions. So you can go in to your draft watching experience tomorrow night with some players in mind. And I'm sure you have some yourself, but I I'll just give you a peek behind the curtain as to my thought process here. So starting at number one overall, I'll be quick. Jacksonville Jaguars, they have to go Trevor Lawrence. I, I do find it slightly interesting that after the Urban Meyer hiring, the Trent Balky hiring, there really was never talk of, hey, could this college coach be into Justin Fields with the Ohio State connection? I mean, he wasn't there when Justin Fields transferred from Georgia, but... I'm sure Urban Meyer was aware of Justin Fields as a recruit or, you know, could he like Zach Wilson? That's really when the Zach Wilson train left the station. It was just, he's picking Trevor Lawrence. I think that's the right decision. He's the best prospect in this class, the best quarterback I've ever scouted, but there was just zero debate. And fortunately for the Jaguars, there was no debate with that there was no thought hey like we really like justin fields we don't care what anyone thinks that would have kind of been a pr disaster for that organization so trevor lawrence is going number one overall and be prepared even though we've seen a thousand of them for a eight minute diatribe from everyone on set about trevor lawrence with highlight package and uh video of all of his high-level plays at Clemson before the Jaguars 
give us the pick with about one minute on the clock. So that's how the draft's going to start tomorrow night. Number two, overall, the New York Jets, similarly to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm a little bit surprised that we there was no real debate that when everyone kind of settled in and, and were getting near the end of the NFL playoffs, when a lot of teams were out, and there was four, five, six teams left, people started to watch Zach Wilson. And I think a lot of that, when I say people, I mean, not just media, not just fans, but head coaches. And they realized, hey, this Zach Wilson kid from BYU is a legitimate prospect. But, and I feel like I said this on Matt's show uh, on Monday, but there was a talk, there was talk of Justin Fields being close to Trevor Lawrence right after the college football playoff because Trevor Lawrence didn't play particularly well and Justin Fields played outstandingly. I remember being on radio shows in late January and that was a prominent question that I was getting a lot. Hey, is Justin Fields actually pretty close to Trevor Lawrence as a prospect? People started watching Zach Wilson and then boom, done. Unless because of Daniel Jeremiah's connections with Joe Douglas uh, and Todd McShay as well, like maybe he kind of said, hey, we're picking Zach Wilson. Don't put it out there, but that's who we're taking. Whatever happened, it just almost overnight, it became Zach Wilson's going to the Jets. So I, I think they should consider Justin Fields. I have them graded both very highly, number two and number three overall. I do have Zach Wilson as my number two quarterback and number two overall player, but there's not a huge difference between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. So did they think about it? Probably, but I, it seems as though they landed on Zach Wilson weeks ago or months ago even. So there's not a lot of intrigue at the top, even though it's the start of the draft and we all need this draft to finally get here tonight. Number three overall, last episode was dedicated to my thoughts about Mac Jones at number three and why I think it's not the right decision for that organization, especially given the 2022 and 2023 first round pick that they surrendered in the trade from to move from 12 to three with the Miami Dolphins. But I did say, hey, you know, maybe Kyle Shanahan watched the Alabama offense and just thought, hey, I this is my scheme. I, I can scheme guys open like this. And look at this guy distributing the football with accuracy and getting it out quickly. But as time has progressed, even over the last couple of days, the reports that have come out from big names like Adam Schefter, like they really did not know who they liked the most. And they saw Mac Jones, watched his film, were convinced that he was the guy, but then, hey, let's watch the rest. And if we, like I said in the episode, they thought, hey, in the last episode, they thought, hey, if there's another quarterback that is better than this, then we're in good position. But Adam Schefter yesterday coming out on some ESPN show saying, as of over the weekend, they really weren't sure. And Trey Lance has closed the gap. The, all that that trade did going from 12 to three is just create the possibility of having a split front office, having Kyle Shanahan love Mac Jones, but John Lynch loving Trey Lance and maybe the ownership gets involved and the director of college scouting is there. It They did it a little bit too early and Kyle Shanahan in his pre-draft press conference earlier in the week saying, we feel comfortable with five guys there. 
mean, maybe that was Coach Beak. It probably was. I don't think they adore all five prospects. Actually, maybe they do because, I mean, if you're talking Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then they're in between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, there's four already. And I think, along with a lot of others in the draft community, that Justin Fields is a legitimate elite prospect. Maybe they do. But even if that was Coach Speak and they only like four of them, why did they move all the way up to three? They know the Bengals aren't going to pick a quarterback. After the Matt Ryan restructure, it's pretty unlikely that the Falcons are going to pick a quarterback. Why did they move all the way up to three and send that 2022 and 2023 first round pick? That's the one thing, too, that doesn't make sense to me about the Mac Jones idea. I get the financial side of it that maybe Kyle Shanahan's like, hey, let's get a slightly better version of Jimmy Garoppolo, or maybe he even views him similarly to Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's not making, you know, $35 million a year and will cripple our salary cap. But with a quarterback on a rookie deal, a lot of the times you're like, okay, we're saving money and that's add some more cheap labor. Let's bring in guys in free agency here and there. The 49ers don't have a first round pick for the next two years. They're not going to be able to draft marquee talent to go around him. I mean, yes, you could say, of course, second, third, fourth round, even later in the draft, you can obviously land on good players there. But to trade as much as they did to get him, and yes, once, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is as good as gone. Like, he, he might get traded before the, the 49ers even make their pick. Who knows? Or the second after it happens. That will free up money. And that will help them make moves in the future. But not having those first rounders is going to be tough because they didn't come in with a ton of extra selections. And even if even if Mac Jones is uh, a good quarterback, and I think he will be in San Francisco, like all quarterbacks are with Kyle Shanahan, they're going to wish that they didn't trade as much and trade as high up to get him. And that was one thing when that trade went down, I was wondering like, man, is there that big of uh following and fandom and adoration for Mac Jones that the 49ers feel they need to move from 12 to three. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, enough about Mac Jones and the 49ers. That does seem like the front runner, the leader in the clubhouse to be the 49ers pick tomorrow night, somewhere probably around 820-ish, 830. Other players they need to consider, Justin Fields and Trey Lance. That's it's kind of obvious at the top. If they wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for one more season or even half the year, maybe trade him before the deadline or something, although that's a little harder to do with quarterbacks. Trey Lance would have made a lot of sense. He has all pro upside. He's probably he's not ready to start out of the gate. He's still not even 21 years old. One year of starting experience. You've heard it 50 times. North Dakota State did not play well in that exhibition game against Central Arkansas, but all the talent in the world and some high caliber plays on film in 2019 if they wanted to just hit the ground hit the ground running with a quarterback that can definitely operate the scheme can get it out quick and throw on the run deliver it accurately to all levels of the field that is justin fields and maybe i've tweeted a few times that it it, that this could be no it didn't seem like it in the pre-draft press conference from kyle shanahan he seemed very angry he seemed a little ticked at all the speculation and probably everything he's hearing and reading. But I tweeted a few times that like, this could be the phenomenon of when you go to a Starbucks and you say like, your name is, is Chris. And then you order your latte or whatever, your cappuccino. 
and like Trish is written on your cup and you're like Trish. And that really what's come out about that from the, like Starbucks employees say, we just, we're just joking with you. Like we just mess around. We hear a name. We're like, how can we mess this name up? But that they will still know that the orders for that, maybe the 49ers are just like, Hey, we're at number three. We know it's not going to be Lawrence. We pretty sure it's not going to be Wilson. We know who we want. Let's just throw every random name out there and say, we like Mac Jones. And now we like Trey Lance. And it would be hilarious if they picked Justin Fields and threw everyone for a loop. This would be 10 times more confused, like confusion created by an organization than what happened last year when the Dolphins had almost everyone, the big insiders convinced that they did not like Tua. They were either not going to pick him or pick Justin Herbert, and then they picked Tua. So those are the three possibilities for San Francisco. Moving on to number four for the Falcons, and I'll get a little bit quicker through these now. Uh, because we're getting off the quarterbacks a little bit. Although, I guess I'll start with quarterback with the Falcons. They have to consider quarterback. I think Trey Lance, if there is a quarterback in today's NFL who could sit for two seasons, it would be Trey Lance. I mean, it, it would seem excruciatingly long like it has felt for this draft to get here if he's on the bench for two seasons, but we are entering that for Jordan love. Like Jordan love is going to sit this entire 2021 season, unless he's traded before he even takes a snap in green Bay. But Trey Lance is more raw than Jordan love was. He's younger, less experience, but Matt Ryan is essentially locked into that starting job for the next two seasons. I, I retweeted yesterday, a report from, I believe an athletic, Falcons reporter that Terry Fontenot was essentially forced into restructuring that deal because the salary cap situation was so bad that they like needed room. But if you were me, or if that was me, I would have said, Hey, we're going to leave the most expensive contract alone that we could maybe get out from under us by next year. Let's cut some other veterans, some guards, some defensive linemen that we could fill in the draft. But ultimately they, made it very difficult to move on from Matt Ryan until after 2022. So because of that, I don't think it'll be quarterback. And if it is one, it should be Trey Lance. Definitely the favorite Kyle Pitts makes sense. Doesn't really align with the idea of, Hey, we need to trade Julio Jones because I, I said it probably on this podcast and on Matt's purple insider podcast. And I know that I wrote it very early on like, Hey, even before the restructure, it was like with the Falcons, you have this offensive-minded head coach, Arthur Smith. Draft Jamar Chase. Draft Kyle Pitts. Draft Jalen Waddell. Draft one of the top playmakers. There's not really a corner that's worthy of being that pick. Not really an edge rusher. You could go offensive line, I guess, but it's at a point where you need to help Matt Ryan go all in and say, hey, let's see if, if we can win a division and see what happens in the playoffs. Drew Brees is done in the division. The Panthers are rebuilding. It's not crazy. I mean, there is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it's not crazy for the Falcons to think, hey, let's try to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. I mean, it might seem crazy, but it's, it's really not with Matt Ryan um, under center there. So I think the Kyle Pitts love makes sense, but not so much if they're going to just trade Julio Jones afterward. So the Falcons, it's funny, a week ago, a week away from the draft, everyone was like, hey, 
the Falcons are picking Kyle Pitts. You can lock that one in. And now on the day of the draft, a lot of insiders and reporters and media members that are plugged in kind of like, hey, they could trade back. If Mac Jones goes number three overall, you would have to think that there's going to be a boatload of teams that are going to call that new GM, Terry Fontenot, and say, hey, we want Justin Fields. We want Trey Lance. We'll trade you anything you want to get up to number four. But then that's not really aligning with going in all in with Matt Ryan because you're passing up on an elite talent. But maybe if they only slide back to like eight or nine or 11, they could still get an elite uh, wide receiver prospect or a tight or Kyle Pitts, probably not at 11, but uh, an offensive skill position player and continue to build this team. So the Falcons have become an enigma. It's like if the Julio Jones trade speculation never came out, I don't think anyone would uh, have thought any different from Kyle Pitts. That made people realize, hey, maybe they are trying to rebuild. So those two, Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts, I think they should consider Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell. There's been zero buzz for that whatsoever. But if they're like, hey, we want to trade a legitimate wide receiver, like we need to because Julio's age and his cap number, replace him with another wide receiver. I know Kyle Pitts is essentially a wide receiver, but I think Jalen Waddell or Jamar Chase would make tons of sense for the Falcons at four. Number five, Cincinnati Bengals. Two guys, Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase. Because of the connection with Joe Burrow, I think the latter is what they will ultimately go with because Jamar Chase is an elite wide receiver prospect. And it's been kind of my thing the last week or so. It will help Joe Burrow be a quarterback who's not hit as often if he has his guy that he has so much rapport with that is an elite wide receiver prospect, great after the catch. I don't think he's an elite separator, Jamar Chase. That's the one nick I had on him and why he was my number two running or wide receiver in this class behind Jalen Waddell. I think he's more of a uh, physical A.J. Brown type than someone who's going to create separation in an instant. But the connection is just is there. I mean, Penny Sewell should be considered as well. But think about this. Think about the optics if you are the ownership or if you're Duke Tobin who I don't, is he really, is he called the GM? I know he like runs the, the draft and he's like their head top personnel guy, but I feel like in Cincinnati, they call him something else. Um, but anyway, imagine if you're Duke Tobin, if you're Mike Brown uh, and you are, he's the director of player personnel for the Cincinnati Bengals, but I know he makes the decisions. If you're the Bengals front office and Jamar Chase is sitting there at five and Joe Burrow's like, get my guy. Come on, get my guy. And you are completely invested in Joe Burrow. And you say, no, we're not going to pick him. We're picking Penny Sewell. That's like a bummer. I think the fan base would be kind of bummed. Half of it would be happy, you know, hey, let's protect Joe Burrow. But man, we just passed on his top receiver that they set records together two years ago. So it's going to be Jamar Chase. They should really only consider those two. Uh, I do have Jalen Waddle as my top receiver, but the connection cannot be overstated. Number six, Miami Dolphins. They could go in a lot of directions. But similar to what I just said about the Bengals, uh, the connection with their young quarterback, their second-year quarterback, cannot be overstated. Uh, whether that be Devontae Smith, I have a feeling it's going to be Devontae Smith. I think that his weight issue and teams are scared off and he's going to fall, I think that's like the Dolphins leaking that out. Like I think that's Chris Greer's thing, to like throw it out there. Not that we've ever heard that the Dolphins don't like Devontae Smith because he weighs 166 pounds, but to just get it out there, hey, oh, yeah, it's it's too light. It's too light for a top prospect. 
just maybe for fun, maybe to hope that he falls. Uh, and early on, there were a lot of people that thought he could, that Devontae Smith could be a top seven, top five pick. But one of the Alabama wide receivers makes the most sense because you need to see what you have into a Tungle Bailoa this season. Even in the own, even in their own division, year two of Josh Allen, the Bills brought in John Brown and Cole Beasley. They really boosted that receiver group with those two pieces. And neither of them were a legitimate wide receiver one, but we saw a clear cut step from rookie year Josh Allen to second year Josh Allen. Then they had Stephon Diggs, MVP candidate. So you, I mean, not that adding receivers automatically makes that happen, but you need to know if things went south in Buffalo with that good receiver group, then the Bills would know. But now they do know that they have a franchise quarterback in Josh Allen. They gave him the weapons. So it probably needs to be one of the Alabama receivers. Could they try to wheel and deal and move down again? I, I guess, but I think at this point they've done enough. If Kyle Pitts, for some reason, were to be there, like say the Falcons go Trey Lance, they need to consider Kyle Pitts as well. And maybe they can move down a few picks if if a team wants to move up to get him. I don't really know what team that would be. Not Detroit, not Carolina, not Denver, not Dallas. A lot of those teams have what they want on offense or at the skill positions already or are rebuilding. Maybe Carolina would want to move up, but it seems as though Carolina wants to move down. So it needs to be one of the two Alabama wide receivers. Uh, I, I would be surprised if they go in any other direction. Number seven overall, the Detroit Lions. Everyone understands like this is a trade down team. But with Dan Campbell and their new GM, Brad Holmes, it's kind of hard to peg what they're going to do. We don't have any history, the type of prospects they like, what they tend to do in the draft, the size, speed, weight that they lean toward. Trading down... And, and even if they don't get a magnificent deal, just trade down, get extra picks. You're rebuilding. You're in a division with Aaron Rodgers. You're in a division with a pretty decent Vikings team. Uh, I, I don't think that, and even the Bears are solid. Andy Dalton might not be that big of an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky, but they did make the playoffs last year. Still a team with a good defense, has some weapons on offense. Trade back. Um, in terms of prospects, I mean, they could go in any direction. They could be the true best player available team. And I've talked about this, that best player available doesn't really exist for 99% of the teams because you bake in your needs into your board. But the Lions could say, hey, we're going to just evaluate this entire class and be like, we don't, we're not doing anything with our needs. We're not factoring that in. We're going position value. So maybe they love the quarterbacks. Even with Jared Goff there, who has the connection to Brad Holmes, they were both together in Los Angeles with the Rams. If they wanted to pick Trey Lance, I think that would be phenomenal. But other players, you know, they could be, uh, if one of the offensive tackle drops, Penny Sewell, maybe Rashawn Slater, I think it'd be a tick early for him. Um, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, they probably won't go in that direction after picking Jeffrey Akuda last year. Um, maybe Micah Parsons, maybe Jamin David, Jamin Davis, the linebacker. He's getting a lot of buzz to go a lot earlier than people expected. I think in general they should just trade down. They should literally take any, not anything ridiculous, but take somewhat reasonable trade offer and move down really as far as they can to just collect more picks to give Brad Holmes a chance to load up, to get the quarterback next year or whatever he wants to do wheel and deal later on. Number eight, overall the Carolina Panthers. Now their situation is more interesting after moving off 
from Teddy Bridgewater because now it's just Sam Darnold sitting there. And you would think that going into year two of Matt Rule, he's not ready to push his chips into the middle of the table with Sam Darnold as his guy. Like, do I think that the trade for Sam Darnold, they were like, hey, we, we feel pretty good about being able to revitalize his career. Yeah. But I don't think Matt Rule is like, I'm this is my guy. It's Sam Darnold. We're gonna take off. Like, I don't think if if Matt Rule goes like, I don't know, if he wins one or two more games than they won and they won five games in 2020, if they go, let's see, 17 game schedule, if they go six and eleven or seven and ten, I don't think he'll really be on the hot seat, but he'll be entering that third year with people being like, okay, we need to see a playoff contender at this point. So I don't think the quarterback is truly out of the question for the Carolina Panthers at this point. I think maybe they don't believe that one will be there. So that would make them a team that we've heard a lot about trading out. But if they maybe do want to make Sam Darnold work or say, hey, we're going to see what Sam Darnold can do this season and pick up that fifth year option. And then after that, be like, well, we might need to move on from him. But regardless of who our quarterback is, we need a better left tackle. Penny Sewell's there. They should pick him. They should look into that. We haven't seen a lot of wide receiver for them. They have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I don't think it would be crazy for them to pick a wide receiver. I mean, that could be the best player available. Last year, they went famously all defensive players in the draft. It was a very young group, flashed a little bit, but most part was one of the worst defenses in the league. I don't know if there's a defensive player there, though, that, that's worthy of the pick. I like Brian Burns. Jeremy Chin had a fantastic season, their second-round pick. Do-it-all safety linebacker, super athletic. I had a first-round grade on him. I loved him. Maybe this is Micah Parsons. Maybe this is Jamin Davis. They do need another corner. They've lost some corners over the past couple of years in free agency. So this could this could be Patrick Sertan. It could be J.C. Horn. They should look at those two top corners. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't pick either this high, but just based on where they're likely to go, if you're Carolina, you got to say, hey, like if we want J.C. Horn, we're not going to get him in round two. Let's We got to pick him here. Or maybe trade back and hope to get him. So corner, uh, skill position player, I don't think is out of the question. If they love Rashawn Slater, Penny Sewell and a quarterback. I really think they have to look into a quarterback to give Sam Darnold legitimate competition. If I'm at rule, I'm not being complacent and being happy with Sam Darnold as my guy. It's only Sam Darnold being like he is going to be the starter. Number nine overall, Denver Broncos bring in Teddy Bridgewater. I talked about them at the jump here. I think Drew Locke again will get an opportunity to start and Teddy Bridgewater uh, will be a, a Really good backup, probably the best backup in the league. Unless I'm completely missing someone, but one of the best backups in the league. Quarterback shouldn't be out of the question. There's We don't know who it is, but I mean, if we're seeing a Justin Fields free fall, and to me, him falling to nine would be a free fall, they should just say, hey, we got to pick him. It's the quarterback position. We have not had that guy since Peyton, and before that it was a long road of missed quarterbacks. I mean, Cutler played well at times and Jake Plummer was there. They had a good organization that was making the playoffs, but quarterback was never an elite guy since Elway. Kyle Orton even had a good season. If they don't go quarterback and say they love Justin Fields, but he's gone or they love Trey Lance and he's gone. 
They could certainly address the defense. This could be a linebacker. This could also be a cornerback, even though they did bring in Kyle Fuller. Um, I, I think this could be Micah Parsons. I, I wouldn't hate if they went edge rusher here, even though it would seem redundant with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb in the mix. Um, but Von Miller's on that last season of his deal. He's into his 30s, coming off an Achilles injury. Uh, you can never have too much pass rush, and you think with a defensive-minded coach, Vic Fangio would would kind of lean on the defensive side. One dark horse, Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa, my number one linebacker. Vic Fangio likes to have this movable chess piece on defense. That's Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa more than any other player in this draft class. And he's got the athleticism to be that guy. I think, though, Vic Fangio would see 6'1", 215. I think it's a little bit too light, being kind of an old-school defensive mind. But I don't know. The linebackers around the league are playing smaller and smaller and smaller. And Owusu Kormoa is Derwin James. That's my comparison for him. He's that type of athlete and that type of playmaker and impact guy at the second and third levels of the defense. The Cowboys, earlier this week at number 10, the Cowboys held a, a pre-draft press conference or uh, Jerry Jones talked to the media. And as usual, Jerry was like, hey, we're, we're not going to do anything crazy, but I'm not ruling out being unconventional. So that would point a lot of people. And Jerry's not really one that, for as passionate as he is, he's not really one to come out and say, hey, I'm going to say this to maybe trick people into this. Like he almost can't contain himself at times. If they went, so like that would indicate that the, the Cowboys might go offense. He said, you know, Hey, we're not going to trade up for Kyle Pitts basically. But if one of the receivers is there, if Jalen Waddle is there, you'd think probably not. I mean, Michael Gallup is entering the last year of his deal. Amari Cooper's been good, but not great. You just drafted CD lamb. I think offensive line, I, I've mocked offensive line to the Cowboys a fair amount um, because that line has gotten a little bit older. Losing Travis Frederick a few years ago certainly took a toll. Tyron Smith's been banged up a lot. When he's on the field, he's an elite tackle, but he's been injured a fair amount. Al Collins was injured last year. Zach Martin had to play everywhere, and he's amazing. But if it was like Rashawn Slater here, even though I have him graded a little bit lower, I would not hate that for the Cowboys because – Although Dak was kind of injured on a freak injury, it, it was not like he was taking a beating the first month of the season, and that's why he got injured. It wasn't the same situation as like Joe Burrow last year, where it was almost like we could see an injury coming. But you did just sign Dak Prescott to a gigantic deal. Protecting him and him playing well matters more than anything else. And that's my new philosophy. And this will change most likely, but I think it's going to be here for at least a few drafts. When in doubt, go offense. That's for every single team. Go offense. Pick the wide receiver. Pick the tight end that you love. Pick the offensive tackle or guard that is going to help your quarterback. Or if you're picking this high, go quarterback. I mean, of course, the Cowboys are not going to pick a quarterback. But I think outside of corner, which has been the low-hanging fruit, and there's a connection with J.C. Horn. Uh, his dad, Joe Horn, was a receiver for the Saints when Mike McCarthy was an offensive coordinator there in the 2000s. Uh, so that is who I think they'll ultimately pick. But they need to consider not only the cornerbacks, but also offensive line. They really need to. I don't think 
Um, edge rusher would be a, a terrible pick either. There's not really a defensive tackle that would be worth the number 10 overall selection. But the Cowboys are really interesting, and, and I don't rule out if Penny Sewell or if Rashawn Slater is there that they go in that direction. Number 11, Giants. I don't think we're going to see a Dave Gettleman trade down. I mean, every year we think this is going to be the year 54 draft picks, is it? No trade downs for him. And they can go in a lot of different directions. I don't think after signing Kenny Galladay and keeping Evan Engram that Dave Gettleman's going to be like, hey, we need another receiver. I think he's a little a little bit old school. And that's being nice. And to say, hey, we need another receiver. We still have Sterling Shepard. We love Darius Slayton. We draft or we signed Kenny Galladay. Let's draft another receiver. But he could be like, hey, I need Daniel Jones to succeed this year. I'm going to get fired and I want to kind of give a middle finger to, to everyone and say, hey, I was right on Daniel Jones. That's the reasoning behind wide receiver. So they need to consider all the wide receivers. Jalen Waddle would be fantastic. My number one wide out if he's there, even if Devontae Smith is there, I would like that. They picked three offensive linemen last year. Uh, Andrew Thomas played better down the stretch. Shane Lemieux was kind of a disaster at guard. And Matt Pert from UConn, I think, can be a stud pass protector. There's still Nate Solder. He's coming back after opting out. Uh, had he not opted out, he probably would have been gone. His contract told. But offensive line, we shouldn't rule out. And I think they need to look on the defensive front, too, which Dave Gettleman, I'm sure, has done his due diligence on. Quiddy Pay or Jalen Phillips would make a lot of sense. They need a premier outside pass rusher. I know they kept Leonard Williams, but those two would make a lot of sense. So a lot of possibilities for the Giants. And for really all of these NFC East teams clumped. The Cowboys really corner offensive line, so they are a little more limited, but the Giants and number 12, Philadelphia Eagles, lots of possibilities. They have similar needs to their rivals in the Giants that the Philadelphia Eagles, they could use wide receiver. I wonder if Howie Roseman's a little scared off after the Jalen Rager uh Kind of disaster, although he did flash after he wasn't injured. But at that point, Justin Jefferson had taken off and was an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Um, but they could pick wide receiver. That would be fine. Howie Roseman does not like picking linebackers early. I know for a fact he, and you just look at his draft history, he likes to pick linebackers later in the draft or sign them in free agency. So I don't think this is going to be Michael Parsons or Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis. I keep saying that wrong. I just want it to be jamming. That would be just sound cooler. Certainly cornerback to pair with Darius Slay, move Avanti Maddox into the slot where he belongs uh, would be totally fine. So whether you're talking corner, you're talking wide receiver, wouldn't shock me. They like picking offensive linemen in the first round, and that's usually a pretty good return on investment. A lot of their offensive linemen that they've picked have been good. Lane Johnson's getting up there in age. Andre Diller's coming off an injury. Uh, we know Brandon Brooks has been injured a ton. Is Brandon Brooks on the roster? I think he is. I should know this. But I just feel like he's been gone. Yeah, okay, he still is. That's what I thought. Uh, but been injured a ton. Very good guard when he's healthy. So a lot of different directions. This could be a trade down, too. They have that extra pick next year um, in the trade with the Dolphins. It, it wouldn't shock me if they say, Hey, you know, we, we get that we're rebuilding and we're not in love with Jalen Hurts, but we'll, we'll let him be the quarterback. We'll let him stroll out there to be the starter and just see what we have with him. 
The Chargers at 13, two positions, corner or offensive tackle. They need an offensive tackle for Justin Herbert. He's not going to be able to produce at such a high level under pressure like he did as a rookie. His quarterback rating was 99 under pressure. That was the highest in the league last year. And we know over time that is not as stable as throwing from a clean pocket. So Rashawn Slater, Christian Darsaw, for some reason, if Penny Sewell falls or comes within striking distance, I would be fine with them trading up for him. Uh, and that is someone that is not an advocate of trading up, but you need to protect Justin Herbert. I think corner after that makes a lot of sense. Although I think Caleb Farley is the best corner in this draft. I think his back injuries will push him down the board, but Sertan and JC Horn would make a lot of sense here. I wouldn't even mind Greg Newsom. Honestly, he's my number three corner. Um, it seems a tick early for him. I've seen a lot of him to Arizona at 16. Uh, but even wide receiver, like early on, it was like, hey, maybe Jalen Waddle will go top 15, like and the Chargers should pick him. Now it's like he's going to go in the top 12, top 10. I like the receiver group. I love Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is a little bit underrated. A couple thousand yard seasons on his resume that kind of flown under, under the radar. But beyond that, they could use some more wide receiver help playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree kill and uh, Travis Kelsey and Henry Ruggs and all the other skill position talent and look at in Denver, what they have. So a lot of possibilities for the chargers as well at, at 13 at 14 Vikings need to think about quarterback. They have 10 picks. I think trading up for Trey Lance would be the bold decision. I don't think that's what will happen because Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer probably realize if we don't at least sniff the playoffs, we're probably going to get fired. Uh, and we know Mike Zimmer likes to lean defense. I don't think they'll go corner. That's famously or infamously what Mike Zimmer has done in the past when in doubt. Offensive line or defensive line and most likely edge rusher. I don't think this is Christian Barmore on the inside. Quiddy Page, Elon Phillips, Aziz Ojulari is not really their type. They usually like the bigger, bulkier, longer players um, on the edge. But Christian Darasa, Elijah Vera Tucker would make a lot of sense. I think that's who the pick's going to be, either him or Christian Darasa. Actually, I think on Matt's podcast, he picked um, Elijah Vera Tucker. I thought it would be Christian Darasa. Either pick would make a lot of sense for that team. That's what they need. They need to invest in the trenches. The Patriots, free agent frenzied Patriots uncharacteristically doing that they've made their team better of course they, they added a lot of pieces i don't know if they got significantly better especially relative to how much money they spent but they'll be better i mean matthew judon johnu smith hunter henry um kendrick Bourne, nelson aguilar they, they brought in some pieces in free agency they needed some infusion of talent at some of those positions probably quarterback they are the team even with Cam Newton still in the mix, that should be thinking about trading up. Bill Belichick, 69. Do I think he still values like having as many picks as possible and future picks in future years? Of course. But at 69, I don't think he cares as much. He wants to cement his legacy as if it's not already, but add to his legacy that, hey, I, I had Tom Brady here. We had a ridiculous 20-year dynasty. Let me end my career by drafting the quarterback of the future. Cam Newton's not the guy for the future. They just wanted to have someone at least semi-competent on the roster at the quarterback spot leading into the draft. So they got that with Cam Newton by re-signing him. Um, if they don't go quarterback, and really at this point, it seems like that's what they're going to do. 
They could go in any position. They could pick a linebacker, even getting Dante Hightower back. They could go Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa. They could go Michael Parsons. They could go Jamin Davis. Uh, they could go corner with Stefan Gilmore. Some trade rumors there and him getting a little bit older. Uh, there's a lot of press man corners in this draft. That's what Bill Belichick loves. So the Patriots are interesting in that they could be targeting a quarterback and being aggressive for a quarterback. But outside of other positions, I, I I don't know if there's like, oh, they should go here, 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 or here. They could be anywhere. Cardinals at 16. Cornerback has been the trendy selection um, for them because they just lost Patrick Peterson, although he hadn't really played up to Patrick Peterson level the past couple of seasons. Uh, and this is an, a team similar to the Vikings in the NFC. Their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, and Steve Kime, the GM, probably in a hot seat type season where you've – in they've – the ownership has invested in you. You do this uncharacteristic, unorthodox thing with what happened with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray and signing Cliff King or hiring Cliff Kingsbury. You've had nothing to really show for it through two seasons. Bring in JJ Watt. Trade for the uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. You're keeping Larry Fitzgerald around. I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if they add another weapon on offense. Andy Isabella hasn't really worked out. Christian Kirk, kind of same deal. Two second round picks have not really materialized into playmakers. It also wouldn't shock me if they go uh, to add to the secondary more. Like I said, cornerback would make a lot of sense there as well. Greg Newsom, JC Horn, Patrick Sertain, even maybe Asante Samuel. Maybe that's the ceiling for him in terms of where he could go in the draft. I don't think they'll go linebacker. I mean, they lost to San Radek in free agency. He's kind of that hybrid type. That could be maybe the earliest Zayvon Collins could go, although they already picked kind of an oversized linebacker last year in Isaiah Simmons, who did not play particularly well as a rookie, but came on strong down the stretch. So the Cardinals are somewhat of an enigma, but I think it'll be corner. You can The safest bet is corner. I wouldn't even hate offensive line. If they're like, hey, we love Christian Darasaw. Uh, we want to protect Kyler Murray, not have him be running around as much. Offensive line would be a great selection. When in doubt, go offense. Raiders at 17. It's hard to peg Mike Mayock and John Gruden. They seemingly go against the grain often. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Christian Barmore. After releasing Maurice Hurst, they have a kind of a big hole in the middle of that defensive line. They have some decent players in Cleveland Furl, Max Crosby on the outside. Uh, but all the rest of the defense, name a defensive player. This could be Trayvon Merrig. This could be Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, even though they are going to get uh, Corey Littleton back, who was injured last season and was not able to be that star coverage specialist like he was with the Rams. They need help on defense. The defense is is not good. Jonathan Abram, good highlight reel hitter, but in coverage, he's a liability. So that's why I think, I think safety would make sense. They drafted Damon Arnett. He played well early on, but got injured. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, they like him there. Second round pick in 2019 out of Clemson. So I think defense for the Raiders. That's where you should lean. And a lot of those prospects I, I already talked about, but they had a mass exodus on their offensive line this offseason. Denzel Good and Brandon Parker are their two starting offensive lineman on the right side at this point, penciled in. If they love Tevin Jenkins, pick Tevin Jenkins. He is a first-round right tackle, high floor, ready to go, technically sound, very powerful. There's not really a guard. Maybe if Elijah Vera Tucker falls, that would be a great selection for them there. They locked up Colton Miller, but they have more needs along the offensive line. To make Derek Carr 
as good as Derek Carr can be. And, and I just don't feel it's the one team. Like, I guess I should say quarterback. It's one team that I just feel like John Gruden has hitched his wagon to Derek Carr. He's gotten good production out of him. He runs his system. Well, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. That's what John Gruden wants. He's kind of like Kyle Shanahan in a way he knows offense. He doesn't want, doesn't need any crazy outside of structure stuff. Although he's in a division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes that are screaming in his face. Hey, this is what you need at the quarterback spot. I don't think they'll go the quarterback route. We hear about them diving into the quarterback uh, class every year and it never happens. 18 for the dolphins depends what they do at six. I think they'll go offense at six at 18. This feels like the good spot for them to go edge rusher. Whoever's there, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojulari, uh, I, Jason Owe would be scary. Gregory Rousseau would be scary in terms of being gigantic risks. Maybe you could say they're high high potential players. I don't necessarily think Rousseau is. Owe, maybe. Uh, but I think edge rusher, that's what they need. They traded away Shaq Lawson, who was not much of a pass rusher anyway. They have Emmanuel Agba who's on his like third or fourth team. He played well last season, but I think they need another edge rusher in the division with Josh Allen in the division with a young, talented quarterback in Zach Wilson in New York. And then just in the AFC, you've got to get after the quarterback. So that should be edge, maybe linebacker, but they bring in Benardrick McKinney to play the mic. Uh, I, I don't think they'll go linebacker. That could be kind of a sneaky selection for them. Needs to be edge rusher there for the dolphins at number 19, Washington football team, they are a team that needs to be in the quarterback sweepstakes. The problem is from 19 to get up into the top 10, 11, 12 is going to cost an arm and a leg. And this is not a club that has a ton of extra picks. They have two third rounders, uh, two seventh rounders in terms of extra selections. They don't have a, like any extras in the, in the coming years. Um, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have Taylor Heineke. I, I think they like that setup to kind of win a Ron Rivera style, a 17-14 type of game, or, or maybe by today's standards, a 21-17 game. The defense is strong. It could be linebacker, although they have um, Landon Collins and Cameron Curl as kind of these box safety-ish types. I would love Jeremiah Usu-Kormoa, Jamin Davis. Um, they don't need, of course, anything on the defensive line. I think left tackle, too. I mean, that's if Christian Darasaw is there, they should run that pick to the podium. Offensive line, linebacker, maybe someone in the secondary, and maybe the dark horse uh, is another wide receiver, although they did bring in Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys in free agency to pair with Terry McLaurin. So I, I think Washington has done a good job this offseason for once. They, they haven't brought in any crazy free agents at crazy money. Good players. William Jackson is bound to be a very good corner in that Ron Rivera scheme. Probably needs to be offense. Offensive tackle makes the most sense. Chicago Bears, similar situation. Need to be as gung-ho about trading up for a quarterback as possible. Although we know Chicago does not have a lot of extra picks. They have three, six, four, excuse me, sixth rounders. But that's not going to move the needle in a trade-up. Uh, we know that they've traded future picks in the past. Khalil Mack, they even traded up one pick to pick Mitchell Trubisky, famously, infamously. But Andy Dalton's not the answer, uh, and they are a team similar to the Cardinals with a GM and a head coach squarely, severely on the hot seat. So if they see a quarterback start to fall out of the top 10, they need to make a trade. 
they need to say, hey, you know what? I, I'm sorry, but I cannot worry about 2022 and 2023 picks right now. I need to get a quarterback. This is a team that was in the playoffs. That's why they're picking 20th. They have a good defense. They still have Khalil Mack. They still have Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson, Roquan Smith. They just picked up the fifth-year option. They have some pieces. Allen Robinson, franchise player. Uh, Darnell Mooney had a great rookie season. So did David Montgomery. Broke out in year three. Year two, I should say. Uh, so it, it's a better roster than I think people are leading on. They've kind of become the butt of the joke in the NFC, like uh, among the contenders. But I think they need to be in the quarterback sweepstakes. If not, address the offensive line. Whoever's there, pick an offensive lineman. That's what you need. Maybe low-key wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. I wouldn't hate th those picks either because when in doubt, go offense. Colts at 21. Similar situation to the team right in the next state across from them. Uh, offensive lineman and wide receiver. I think with Carson Wentz there, you need those two pieces to be really good on your roster. And they don't have a lot of great skill position players. And to lose Anthony Costanzo, who's just been this staple of consistency at left tackle, that's a huge hole there. They brought in Sam Tevy from the Chargers, but he was a turnstile last year. So offensive tackle, maybe a trade down. If some of the receivers are gone or they don't like the receivers and the tackles are gone, maybe trade down here. Tennessee Titans, they bring in Bud Dupree. I still don't think edge rusher should be out of the question. Jane Brown resigns with them. He is one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL. Signed a lot of a, a cheaper deal than a lot of people thought. Much cheaper. Um, and wide receiver for them. I, I think this is going to be someone like Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore because to lose Janu Smith and Corey Davis in free agency, you're looking at revitalize Ryan, Fitz, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill with AJ Brown and who else? So wide receiver is kind of the telegraph pick. I, I don't think it's ever good to go into a draft with a telegraph need, especially if you're a playoff team. Offensive line wouldn't shock me because they want to feed Derrick Henry. Um, but there's not really a guard. Um, this would maybe be the ceiling for someone like Landon Dickerson or like Creed Humphrey. I, I don't see that happening, though. Maybe Dylan Radins, too. This absolute ceiling for them. But, hey, a lot of crazier stuff has happened on draft night. Wide receiver, offensive lineman, and anything in the secondary they need more secondary help that really held uh that group back last year to lose in the wild card round that was a good team besides their secondary down the stretch really had problems the jets are second pick i'll say that to kind of repeat myself and to be a broken record when in doubt go offense so if the wide receivers there even though they brought in Corey Davis and Keelan Cole, and they have Jameson Crowder. It's still not a great receiving group. Give Zach Wilson more weapons or address the offensive line because I love Mekhi Becton. The rest of the offensive line needs work. They have a ton of picks, uh, so they will have the opportunity to add to that offensive line. They have obviously pick 34. They have two picks in round three. They have two picks in round five. They have two in round six a lot of picks in the future as well, extra picks. But if 
if one of the top offensive linemen fall, offensive tackles, then pick him and plug him in at right tackle opposite Mekhi Becton. But what they also need even after bringing in Carl Lawson, they need more edge help. So offensive line receiver or edge help, um, Aziz Ojolari, Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, all the usual suspects. Carlos Basham, I think at this point would make sense. Um, Joseph Osai, this would probably be the ceiling for him. Joe Tryon, Greg, uh, Gregory Rousseau, although, I, again, for any team, I think it would be not a great selection in the first round. That's what I think the Jets should be kind of focused in on. Steelers at 24. Running back's been the hot name. I don't I don't think that Kevin Colbert, who is one of the better GMs, one of the best GMs in, in the entire NFL and has been one of the best GMs for a long time, will go running back in round one knowing that his offensive line is in shambles. I think Alex Leatherwood would certainly make sense for the Jets if they want to move him from left tackle to right tackle. But Pittsburgh would make sense to pick Alex Leatherwood. They have huge needs everywhere on the offensive line. And until the offensive line gets better, the running game doesn't matter who's back there. It can be in his prime Le'Veon Bell. He's not going to produce at the same level he produced at in college, which would be the reason why you would pick him in round one, because he was so productive in college. Offensive line, I don't think, even though they got good production out of Alex Highsmith, their third-round pick out of Charlotte last year, I don't think edge rusher is out of the question. I think someone like Carlos Basham, who is that bigger body that they seemingly like on their defensive front, wouldn't be crazy. Uh, but that's they've kind of pigeonholed themselves. I, I, I don't think corner would be insane either. But offensive line seems like the most likely pick for Pittsburgh. Jacksonville, their second pick. I think safety needs to be addressed here. Trayvon Merrick, if he's still there, he should be the pick. I wouldn't hate Elijah Moore or even Rondell Moore to be that Percy Harvin type, although LaVisca Chenault can be that bigger version of Percy Harvin for Urban Meyer. Uh, but probably needs to be safety. That's a defense that still needs a lot of work. Even though there are some good young pieces, I think C.J. Henderson can rebound from a pretty bad rookie season as that on an island cornerback. It's never easy to go from being a press man guy in college and then coming in and covering number one wide receivers instantly, unless you're Darrell Revis. The Browns, they've actually built a pretty nice defense to so bring in uh, John Johnson to uh, they're going to get back some pieces. They're going to get Grant Delpit. They're going to get Greedy Williams back. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they pick linebacker, if they go Zayvon Collins to add to the pass rush as well, because he's a very good pass rusher. Uh, Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa to add more speed to the second level of, of their defense. They brought in Clowney. They probably won't go edge, but it wouldn't stun me because I think people understand what Clowney is at this point. That he's not this premier pass rusher. He's a good run defender and at times a decent pass rusher. The sleeper is wide receiver because Odell Beckham's coming off an injury. He's into his 30s. So is Jarvis Landry, I think, after picking up that fifth year option for Baker Mayfield and getting pretty good play out of him last year. Just help him with that. Keep him playing at a high level by giving him more wide receiver targets. Baltimore, similar needs to Cleveland. Uh, in that I, I think they could go wide receiver here. That would be more of a pressing need for Baltimore than obviously the Browns offensive tackle after trading Orlando Brown, the right tackle spot is a pretty big need. I don't know if there would be one here, maybe Samuel Cosme, they could move him um, to the right tackle spot. Probably offensive lineman edge rusher after losing Matthew Judon, the 
the Ravens always have a ton of picks. They're smart about that. They know get as many rolls at the table as possible. If our hit rate stays the same, we're going to be drafting more or more quality players than the rest of the league. 28, the Saints could go in a lot of directions. They're still a good team. They're getting a little older on defense up front. Edge rusher wouldn't be crazy with Cameron Jordan's age, even with Marcus Davenport there. Um, they lost Trey Hendrickson, so they could use another edge rusher. Demario Davis has really been outstanding for them later in his career at the linebacker spot. The rest of the linebacker group is not great, so this could be Jamin, Jamin Davis. This could be Cormoa. Uh, probably somewhere on the defensive side. And another team, dark horse wide receiver. Like You can almost peg it in for every team. Same thing with Green Bay. I think this will be the draft that they pick a wide receiver in the first round for Aaron Rodgers. The rest of their team is pretty much set. They could maybe look for a developmental offensive tackle, but I think they'll do that like in round two or round three with David Bakhtiari into his 30s and coming off the injury. The rest of their line's pretty good. They lost Corey Lindsley. There's not maybe this could be Creed Humphrey. Maybe this could be Landon Dickerson. But I think wide receiver, they'll ultimately address that because I think they need a little bit more juice in the receiver group. Although Aaron Rodgers did just win the MVP with the same receiver group that he has right now. The Bills at 30. I think running back will be in play. If Travis Etienne is there, if Najee Harris is even there, um, I think they'll lean Etienne. Their GM, Brandon Bean, has come out and said, hey, we need more skill position or some more home run hitting ability in our skill position group at the running back spot. That's Etienne over Harris, although Harris is a better pure receiver. Lining up in the slot looks like an H-back running routes. I also think defensive end and edge rusher. So any of the names I brought up, Gregory Rousseau, I think would be the worst of the picks that Buffalo could make. Cause I think he is so incredibly raw. Aziz Ojolari would be fantastic uh, to kind of learn from Jerry Hughes being that undersized edge rusher and how to win being smaller. Uh, if Jalen Phillips were to be there a little risky with the concussions, but he is super polished. Uh, Joe Tryon is kind of been a trendy name. I think, think he's somewhat similar to AJ Epinesa, a little bit more linear juice, but his handwork isn't great. And I don't think he's a great athlete. He's a little bit bigger than what the bills seemingly like at the edge rusher spot. And then corner, they re-signed Levi Wallace. Um, they like him. They like Dane Jackson, their seventh round pick who flashed a little bit in his rookie season last year. But I think corner, whether this be Eric Stokes, that's who I think the bills will pick. Eric Stokes from Georgia ran really fast, made plays, four interceptions this past year at Georgia. Zone and man, length, that's what they need opposite Tredavious White. Asante Samuel Jr. is like Tredavious White, so if they love the play style of their star corner, they could pick someone similar in Asante Samuel. Number 31, the Ravens, depending on obviously what they do at number 27, um, address the offensive tackle spot, wide receiver, edge rusher. Same needs, obviously, for them at 27 as there is at 31. And then the Buccaneers, they re-signed everybody. They brought back the entire band. So uh, they could just truly go best player available. I don't think this will be quarterback. I mean, Bruce Arians kind of said like, hey, we're not going to shy away from picking that. But it could be linebacker given Levante David's age. It could be, um, I think, someone in the trenches um, because when there were injuries up front, their depth at guard wasn't great. This could be uh, Creed Humphrey. This could be, it wouldn't be super surprising but someone if it was like trey smith because he tested really well uh a guard or an interior defensive lineman even though that defensive line really cut after it 
all season and especially in the Super Bowl. All right, that'll do it for me. Uh, enjoy tonight. Uh, thank you so much throughout this entire pre-draft process for listening to the Prospect Podcast.